0: You're listening to the Investing For Kids, Buy Kids podcast, where I interview guests from around the world about all things stocks, crypto, and business. I also share my strategies, advice, tactics, and more to help you become a better investor. I'm Timmy M., your host and the founder of Investing For Kids, by Kids Make sure to leave this podcast a good review so that I can continue growing my business and continue making episodes of this podcast. I am not a registered financial advisor. Any opinions expressed by me or the guests of this podcast are not a recommendation to make a particular investment. This podcast was created for informational and entertainment purposes only. So, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So this is how you asked me to introduce you. And I thought this was actually quite hilarious. So here I go. There are other ways to potentially lose money on securities other than them going up or down. They can be sanctioned, which we will talk about later on. And you can also buy fraudulent securities. And today's guest, Mr. Pike, who I've interviewed before in episode one, has bought both fraudulent securities and sanctioned securities. But before I dive into that, my first question is, why do you invest in international emerging markets?
1: Well, the yields are higher. I mean, in the United States right now, you might get treasuries might be 2%, and you might get something small over there, 25 3%. Easily probably the average yield in an international bond. Same quality of company might be 5 to 7 percent, and you can get higher than that with good companies. Um, But then you have all the risks of international securities. Uh, you, You know, like the United States has a very strong regulatory system for issuing securities you can't always depend on the same transparency uh, uh, of numbers uh, in uh, in all international locations.
0: The second question question I'm going to ask you is about the Asian crisis of uh, I want to say nineteen ninety eight, but I think I might have been nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> so try to give us Gen Zers who have never experienced a financial crisis before, other than the very minor. Uh, 2020 stock market crash although that was so short then it wasn't really even experienced by us uh, a look into what it feels like
1: well, that's an interesting crisis because outside of when somebody has you know passed away or something that was the last person I, last time I cried I really lost like 80 percent of my money in that crisis really I'd levered up you know, and had Brazilian bonds, Mexican bonds. I thought the crisis was so deep that it triggered that I had to sell all those bonds at the worst price. And uh, well, that's when I stopped, you know, when then I realized, you know, like you just learn. I mean, obviously I have a securities firm 34 years. It's like grown hundred people work there where we do you know all of these deals um, all the time we you know made people a lot of money but you know I was I'm gonna guess we've raised you know our company's raised 20-25 billion dollars over the last 20-25 years but so you know not everything is gonna go perfect it doesn't for anybody
0: Yeah, and even Warren Buffett didn't know how to react to that. He sold all of his airline stock at, like, the absolute worst time. So I guess you can predict financial crises sometimes if you're very skilled um, and experienced. But the thing about... uh crises that aren't financials that you really don't know how uh, what's going to happen. But you learn,
1: you know, like you have to go through it in order to earn and learn. Nobody's like perfect, you know, like the first time. Should I mention George Soros?
0: Oh, you know, yeah. Right? yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I actually played tennis this morning with George Soros. This is like an amazing story in itself. What, you know, just the most amazing. And I'm sure that, oh, no, but I asked him about somebody and he said, He said laughingly, he said, that guy robbed me blind. He said, I let him do it. And he just kind of laughed. But I mean, obviously, he's sitting there with like $15 billion. He didn't let everybody rob him blind. But, you know, I mean, but even he is admitting, you know, that he got taken, you know, once in a while laughingly because he's, you know, nobody's ever, you know, I mean, he's the best.
0: Yeah, he broke the Bank of England. He's known as the guy who broke the Bank of England because he shorted it like $10 billion. That's just crazy. Borrowing,
1: borrowing, borrowing (laughs) every day going at the Bank of England until he made a billion dollars in one day. Yeah. And, you know, that was when a billion dollars was a lot of money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, inflation and all that. So... Since the Asian financial crisis, there have obviously been other downturns in the market, including the Russia Ukraine oh, situation. the
1: Asian financial crisis was my biggest opportunity. Because of the crisis, the other the banks all fired people, and I hired like everybody. I didn't have the money, but they were making money, so they paid for themselves. Thankfully. And uh, that turned my company around. Probably five guys are still there, my senior partners. All I hired after that financial crisis. So, wow, it was a crisis for me in my personal kind of financial and the way I was running the books. It was the biggest opportunity. And I think that's where we're really trying to go with this interview is how crises can become opportunities or should be.
0: Yeah, so when a financial downturn happens, one, how should one think about and deal with it?
1: Well, everyone's going to be different. And you've got to really think of some basics, exposure to the industry, exposure to this company. Can you afford the losses? Not just thinking about the gains. Can you afford the losses that might come? And then bet, you know, I mean, not bet, but like do business in a way that makes sense. And um, and, and really, we make money, m- m- money in financial crises. It's a very good time for us. The volatility makes margins wider in the trading side. So if you just trade, you can make a lot of money. But when you start betting, then that's when the problems come.
0: How do you effectively uh, do that? kind of trading
1: you just do it with customer business and that business that you know you want and that you can cover and it should be profitable business but i mean when i say cover I mean you can afford the loss yeah if you can't afford the loss then you shouldn't be doing it you know like you can't bet on the upside and people kind of lose that perspective at times like oh i'm gonna make money you know no i mean like first As Warren Buffett says, the first rule, and everybody knows this saying, first rule to making money is not to lose it. And the second rule is, if you forget, revert back to rule number one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's worth, like, what, $100 billion? So we've got to be taking his advice there. When we were talking prior to this interview, you mentioned convertible bonds. So... Please explain convertible bonds to the listeners and also why you choose these over just regular bonds
1: okay so convertible bond is really interesting because okay let's say a company is paying five percent interest on their, on their on their on their all of their debt yeah we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars so now, let's say their stock is down, so they don't want to issue right now. They want to wait till the, the stock goes up at a higher price in order to issue. So what they do is they tell people, people give them like a convertible bond. They invest for like, instead of 5%, 2.5%. But they have the ability to turn it into a stock if it reaches 20% or 30%, whatever the price you've set, above. So you get less interest, but you have more like protection against the downside than a stock does. But if it goes up 20, 20, 30, wow, you've made a lot of money on that and you get interest besides. So it's a really good investment when it works and it limits your downside and it lets your upside run.
0: So, I have another question about that, which is, is this available to retail investors? Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Everybody has access to this.
1: I'll have one for you soon.
0: I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Working
1: on one right now in, in Mexico, a big one.
0: Oh, nice. So, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: Thank you.